Hi, we're doing our September book club today, and we have Dr. Donna Marks with us, who has written several books. The one we're going to talk about today is The Healing Moment, and Donna's a psychoanalyst, a therapist, and she's facilitated A Course in Miracles for over 30 years. Um, in addition, she shares her methods with hundreds of thousands of listeners on podcasts, radio, and TV shows. And she's written other books, Exit the Maze. Um, what's another one, Donna? Learn, Grow, Forgive. There you go. That's the one. Okay. So before I, I even get into um, much of this, I have to say I have uh, a friend of mine who's also the editor of my books. And in the beginning, I did have an editor and I found out you cannot edit your own books because you're going to miss stuff because just the way your mind uh, absorbs the information is going to be different because you wrote it. Yes. So uh, I went back and she has edited three of all three of my books so far. Wonderful person. And she sent me notes because she couldn't be here today and she wanted to, to be. And she said, I read the book this week and these are my impressions. Where was this book when I was growing up? Oh. <laughs> Her mind kept remembering as she was reading negative experiences from her past as far back as grade school. And the chapter on forgiveness was quite a help. Um, she's gone through a lot, as we all have as we age. You know, there's different things that happen in life. She had cancer. She's uh, recovering from cancer. She's not where I'm at. I'm in six years of recovery, but she's just starting the the journey. And um, she said, I wish this book really was there in my adolescence. And she did not go to a psychologist until she was 32 years old, because she had to find techniques to deal with her anger. Okay, so when she re read your chapter on forgiveness, it really helped her uh, deal with that. So I, I thought that was wonderful. And but you talked about depression, and from what I've read of your books, you know, depression could sometimes be caused by anger. Is that true? Yes, depression, <clears throat> excuse me, if it's not a chemical balance in the brain, yes. which it usually isn't, or it can become that if it's not dealt with, mm -hmm. but uh, it, it's, it's definitely anger turned inward. We yes. internalize, we, we internalize someone else's behavior or some type of unfortunate circumstance and what's wrong with me or what, why, why, you know, it's my life like this, as opposed to being able to use that anger as energy to get into motion in a positive yes. and constructive yes. way. Um, before I forget too, we have another person here that I didn't introduce, Delicia, and she has a book coming out soon. And she hopefully wants to present it to the book club maybe in November, correct? Yeah. Yes, November. Yes, okay, good. So we're all here now to talk about this and there's a couple of people that wanted to be here and unfortunately that could not. So Donna, um, in this book, uh, you talk about seven keys, right? want to go into a little bit about the seven keys 
Sure, I'll be happy to. But first, I want to thank your friend who um, is new in this cancer journey, which I have also experienced. Carol. Uh, Carol, I want to thank Carol for taking to the time to read the book. And that's really touches my heart that someone who's in a healing process and so new to that healing process would take the time to do that. Yes. Um, thank you. Thank you, Carol. Uh, so, yeah. So I talk about, you know, no, the healing moment is the subtitle is, you know, seven paths to turn messes <laughs> into <laughs> miracles of love. Right. And uh, those of us like Delicia and, and Carol who, you know, have had, these painful uh, experiences in life. And particularly, you know, when we're too young to do anything about it, uh, we often develop all kinds of pain and suffering. And for me, you know, addictions and, uh, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how bad someone screwed up or how bad we screw up with their screw ups. I had choices. I didn't, I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have a guide. I didn't have a book called the healing moment to help me to understand it wasn't me. It wasn't me. That was the problem. The problem was my environment and, and to be able to approach that from not blaming anybody, but to just look at it, to understand it, to mourn it, to grieve it and, and to heal it. So no matter what uh, we do, and in my case, you know, I tried to, to walk that spiritual line but eventually all the pain got me because I didn't know how to deal with it and I didn't have an outlet and I became more like the family that I didn't want to become than not so my point of writing the whole book is none of that matters because you can in fact it's not only doesn't matter you can use all those experiences from your own suffering and uh, and from your own mistakes and turn them into positive ways of helping other people, positive ways of healing, positive ways of self-empowerment. We do not have to be victims of anything ever. I agree. And I'm going to say about the, uh, what Carol said about forgiveness, uh, reading that in the book, how it helped her. I wrote my first book, Raised by Wolves, Trapped by Demons, which is a memoir. And I left nothing out. I mean, I got nothing out. And of course, my father was alcoholic. I never thought that I would become an alcoholic. And my best friend from first grade all through our 20s, she got into an addiction. She was a nurse. And her little girl and my two little girls had been playing with each other when they were young and everything. And then I grew apart from her. And when I had my book signing in Scranton two years ago, this little girl who was now a grown woman came to it and she said to me, your book helped me forgive my mother who eventually had OD died from addiction. Hmm. I still get chills because when you write a book about your experiences and you take that leap of faith to put it out there and not worry about being judged. Uh, if you help even one person, I think that's great. I agree with you 100%. It's not that we're trying to, you know, air our dirty laundry or or throw anybody under the bus or blame anybody. I'm not in my writing. It's not my purpose at all. The purpose is that to to illustrate that uh, no matter what happened, forgiveness is the the key to, to the way out of any type of 
uh, trauma and pain, but it's the ultimate uh, way out. It's not the beginning. You know, it's a process. First, we have to face what happened. Then we have to allow ourselves to feel that pain so that we ridding ourselves of that pain and i think sometimes and and this is a spiritual book but sometimes in spirituality uh, we get the message or the message is given to bypass that that process and that's not reality reality is as human beings if we suffered and we're holding that pain and we must release it embrace it release it acknowledge it and then we can then the forgiveness is a natural part it's through that process that we begin to have compassion i have major compassion for my my stepfather who was alcoholic and abusive i mean he had to live with that and he couldn't so he drank and then uh, my mother, uh, she, I, I focus on her wonderful qualities. She did the best she could with what was available at the time. You know, it's wonderful now we have so many tools and we could say, well, you know, there is no excuse now because we know how to properly parent. We know how to let children uh, heal. We don't need to do what our parents did. But this is, there's 8 billion people on the planet. We still have a ways to go. Okay, but for, say so. for me um, and my mom, um, you know, she's 92 now and I have the luxury of being able to, and I do feel it's a luxury to be able to go see her almost every day and be the one to to make sure that she's cared for now. I don't have any type yeah. of residuals yeah. about the past. That's wonderful. I I think the reader will learn a lot from this book about healing and moving on. And I did for sure. I'm still, I will say it's so funny. It's like there's only one person I haven't forgiven, which I guess in my life isn't that bad because I've been told only one. I'm like, yeah, I worked on I worked on, but I looked at everything and was able to forgive people that had hurt me in my life, especially my parents. Um, but, you know, I feel badly for my mother because my father got sober and he went to AA and he read the big book and he practiced principles after he was 60 years old, but he was still around long enough that we could make amends and I could forgive him. And I have forgiven my mother, but I think she died with a lot of guilt and shame of her own making, you know, not that I, yeah, yeah. I know she did because just things that she said to me, you know, well, what are you going to do? You can, you know, you have your journey. Everybody has their own journey. And um, it takes your, so much courage to face our shame and our regrets and our mistakes. Yeah. And I think that as human beings, we have to be willing to create the space for our loved ones to, to do that and for ourselves to be able to do that, to, you know, in the, pro, you know, we have uh, these programs that tell us to make amends, but the amends aren't nearly so much as for someone else as for ourselves, that we are letting ourselves free from our mistakes of the past. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and you also said in your book that um, the healing moment occurs when you decide to flip your internal switch and finally let light flood into your consciousness. Now, I know what, what I took away from that, but what did you mean by that? Well, uh, it's a decision. Uh, I believe that we all have that inner light and inner spirit. But it's not going to intrude because love does not intrude. Love is always available, but we have to invite it. 
And we've been told that in many different ways and many different languages. And I, that's my belief is that um, the God of my understanding, which is love, is not going to force its way into my consciousness. So I mentally and emotionally and spiritually must say, I want that. I want that light and it will come. Yeah. You know, I am talking about light and uh, internal switches. I think throughout my life, well, first of all, my coping strategies, like yours, some of yours, um, alcohol, men, food, whatever, because I didn't want to feel and I didn't really want to come out of my cave. Um, my, my life experience at first was one of a survivor. And I survived a lot, uh, a lot of abuse. And um, I remember times when the light would come on for me for a moment, but it was like lighting a match and then it would go out. <laughs> it was like a momentary light. Yeah. And so it, it really took a long time. And I really, um, even though I thought I was doing well and I got sober and I was doing the steps and everything, um, I had to do a lot of work yet. I did find myself in depression a year sober and five years sober. And both times I felt it necessary to do inpatient, uh, to work on these family issues, which trust me, that's the core of most of our uh, dissonance because our core beliefs come from our parents. Do you agree? Do you I didn't catch the, the last the, part. That our core beliefs come from our parents. They're the ones who kind <clears throat> still in us who we are and maybe... Uh, if they're damaged, okay, their message might not be as powerful or positive as it should be. Or well, of course, you know, when we're little people, the father and mother and the, are the god and goddess, <laughs> and that's our understanding of what we are. And so, when we, when that god and goddess uh, disapproves or doesn't treat us uh, with love and, and, and kindness, we definitely would take on those messages that we are less than are not worthy of yeah. the love, the love of that God and goddess. something's yes. wrong with us rather than yes. as, as we heal, we recognize something was wrong there, not with us. Right. It took me um, a long time. <laughs> I'm still, I mean, I'm still working on myself, of course, I don't think you ever stop. Well, that's uh, a beautiful thing. We get to keep doing that. Yeah, yeah. How, how happy do you want to become is the question. Exactly. And you, you know, know, you can I, hang up your hat anytime you want. Anytime you want. <laughs> but um, my husband has Parkinson's and he's in stage three. And then, of course, we got hit with 2020. So uh, the pandemic and um, I depression came back. Depression came back. And I sought out help, therapy, et cetera, which was the right thing to do. Um, and that is where my book came from in the first place. My therapist told me to write. She said, write every day. When, you know, Because he gets very quiet. There's not a lot of talking in our house, except me talking to myself. <laughs> so <laughs> it wasn't so much um, as I started to write it, you know, I, I could feel how this could help other women, right? So I'm trying to think about, I still get triggered. Like there's still core beliefs that I haven't changed, 
that what you said that I'm not enough, I, I must be perfect. So Donna, how do you believe women can, can transform by understanding how the mind uses its own fear to manipulate our lives? In other words, we're doing this to ourselves, I think is what I'm saying. That, that I, I, I don't believe we're intentionally doing it to ourselves. I just think that we've been conditioned to be fearful because we've been hurt. And when we've been hurt or betrayed or uh, treated lovelessly, uh, abusively, or, you know, lots of bad things have happened. Again, we, we develop this, this part of the mind that, you know, says it's not safe. People aren't safe. The world's not safe. And we develop these defenses to, to keep from, you know, yeah. being hurt. And that's impossible because then we do it to ourselves by isolating and by withdrawing and by not being on the playground. We sit back and watch or we turn our back on the playground. So what I'm, I'm trying to convey here is that just recognize that all the negative emotions really are fear. They're fear. And once you can face those fears, yeah. then you can walk through them most fear is the the bad part is not facing it it keeps us trapped in this what we call anxiety which i i don't believe in anxiety i believe anxiety is nothing more than fear it doesn't need to be medicated i don't care if it's physiological or not all fear is physiological because when you have scary thoughts you're going to have physiological reactions i don't believe that babies are born that way uh, i've never seen a baby that was panicking and anxious <laughs> no. i just don't believe that. I don't it buy it. I'm not going to believe okay. it. A lot of yeah, I can know, see you feel and... strongly about that. Absolutely. So <laughs> absolutely. So when we face the fear and yeah. then we get support because uh -huh. we often need that to walk through the fear, we get on the other side of it and then we feel so much better and you know we feel good yeah. about ourselves. We feel empowered. Right, right. And healing can be painful and confusing. And going through my therapy years past I was in group therapy I was in you know one-on-one -on -one. I was inpatient like I I did all forms and I remember how drained I would be afterwards and the crying and and the pain okay and I could have stopped I could have just said you know this is too hard you know but thank god I didn't stop because you know I needed I really needed to dig very deep, very deep for my core issues, let's call them. Right. Um, so, so the pain, <clears throat> it takes courage to feel all that. That's why I said at the beginning, it took great courage for you to say, this is hard, but I'm going to stay. Yes, yes. What, what happens though, that most of the pain, there's two things with the pain. Part of the pain is just the pain that's been sitting in there and now you're facing it. You're, you're, re, you're reliving what didn't get completely synthesized and processed early on. And then the other part is the shame and the embarrassment about being vulnerable. So mm -hmm. we can eliminate that whole second part by just saying, I'm proud of myself that I have the courage to reveal my innermost self to these people in my exactly. life, whether it's a group or your therapist or your loved right. ones, whoever. Yeah, in, in our chat box, I know uh, Delicia's having problems with her voice, so she didn't want to join in, but she is saying that her depression is situational and medication is just a band-aid and not a cure, and she knows she has to go deeper, and uh, thank you for that comment. So, and as a person recovering from addiction, too, um, 
I think addictions are all substitutes for love. Who do you think about that? Do you think that those addictions are because we're looking for love and the type of love we're looking for, or maybe we're not finding it because the love is really self-love that we need? Right. Well, in my book, Exit the Maze, One Addiction, One Cause, One Solution, that's my whole premise is that every addiction is a substitute for love. And what's happened is we've confused the two. You know, I love chocolate chip cookies. I love champagne. You know, I love to go shopping. You know, I love the porn site. I love this. I love that. I love gambling. You know, we don't love any of that. Nobody really likes or loves any of that. What we do confuse is that we the feeling that that gives us, you know, those things give us that temporary endorphin, yeah, endorphin you know, that yeah. lobe of the brain is getting activated. And then we're getting all these other responses, chemical yeah. and physiological responses that get us high. And that's what we we're really loving, but that's not love at all. Love is an action word. And it means taking the kind of care of yourself that you feel high all the time you wake up in the morning feeling good you go to sleep at night feeling peaceful and you're on fire that's how i live my life every day i i think that's great and i i remember a time um sober with a good marriage and everything going my way where i would wake up and i didn't want to die but i didn't necessarily want to face the day and that's a form of depression too but um i know that feeling and i think that's why that pushed me to keep working on myself because just getting sober and doing the steps and all that wasn't enough for me, for me. I had to dig deeper. Yes. And good for you that you did and you had the courage to do that. And one of the things I teach people is that everything is always going your way, even if it doesn't feel like it, because within every moment is an opportunity to have a healing moment. And so when we learn to ask the light to be turned on and revealed to us in that moment, what is yeah. the essence of this per- situation right here? Yeah. And you know that's why we keep hit- hitting the same walls and that's why we keep doing the same types of mistakes and getting triggered by the same things yeah. because there's a piece of us that is ready to expand the light into it and no longer have to do that anymore. Right, and, and that's it. I need to um, go easier on myself. I was always very hard on myself even when I got sober and tried was in the healing process but i know today like when i do get triggered and i get angry about something like i have to stop i have to pause and i have to say okay what's going on why why is this triggering me it's not because they're 10 minutes late they are 10 minutes late it's annoying but i'm really like upset and um the other thing just went on in my head i was going to say but well, those of us who didn't get the right kind of support or didn't get enough support growing up, uh, when when that's reflected back to us in the current now, we relive all of that. So that's where, again, to be able to embrace that and and to feel it and then to be move transcend beyond it. Yeah. Well, I think I know what I was going for, too, and uh, we'll probably wrap this up. So believe it or not, this went by so fast. Uh, when I was in this situation after the pandemic with my husband and dealing with the Parkinson's every day and not leaving the house for a year, I started being very mean to him. And that's how I knew I was depressed. Um, I had had enough therapy, I'd read enough books that I went, you know what, I think this is depression. So thank God I had like a little self-awareness, which I would not have had if I hadn't done the work, if that makes sense. 
Yes, you're able to self-examine and to be uh, an objective observer of your own behavior. Yeah, so even if you feel like, oh, there's still so far to go, just that part of being aware that you know that something's triggering you and that it's but not you're not yourself. Yes, yes, and that you can, and I talk to people, as you can see, <laughs> which is a, a very important thing, too, to talk to another person, you know. Well, Donna, this was wonderful. And uh, what are you doing now? You have a podcast or something? No, I don't. Oh, no. okay. I've just appear on, been on a, over a hundred podcasts, but I, I don't know myself. <laughs> yeah. And I need to have you back because there's so many areas we could talk about just specifically on certain areas. Um, would that be possible in the future for the podcast? Uh, of now? course. Of good, course. Good, and you're good. doing such wonderful work and, and it's so nice that, that you're using your experiences to help other people and Delisha too. I'm, I'm anxious to read your book, Delisha. Um, kissing the asphalt. Uh, I like that you know, title, just, though. <laughs> well, I don't know. Your titles are very powerful. Yeah. But it, it's, you know, it, like you said at the very beginning, if one person is helped, it's worth all the work that we put into this. That's right. You know, that's exactly what I say, too. Exactly. That's yeah. what motivated me to write it. So I'm yeah. looking forward to reading your book as well. All right. What a, I'm glad you chimed in at the end. That's great. And uh, thank you again, Donna, for coming. I You're really, very welcome. I always love talking to you. And uh, we'll get together again soon. All right. Okay. And thank you, Delisha.